It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Well, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Darlene Kavist, licensed nutritionist and certified nutrition specialist. We have a very serious topic today, breast cancer prevention. You know, what are the risks of getting cancer? Think about this. This is really shocking. One out of two men have a lifetime probability of developing or dying from cancer. That's one Mm -hmm. out of two men. Amazing. Half of all men. That's just a huge number. So what about women? One out of three women have a lifetime probability of developing or dying from cancer. You know, you're probably asking, what can I do to avoid getting cancer? That's what our today's topic is all about. We're going to discuss this. We have two amazing dietitians joining me today, and they're going to give some facts, tips, recipes, and more about cancer prevention. First joining us today is Katie Vigasa who is a license. I love it when I can say that. That's very good. (laughs) Got a nice zip to it, too. She's a licensed and registered dietitian, and she sees clients in our YZ and our Lakeville locations. Mm -hmm. And Katie, you're going to be on CARE 11. Yes. On the news. Yep. At 4 p.m. When's that going to happen? December 8th. So everyone kind of put that in your calendar. We're actually going to be talking about um, how sugar addiction leads to compulsive eating. And we actually know that sugar is more addictive than alcohol or cocaine. Um, you know, so for some people, it's like they eat one thing, like a cookie or a piece of fudge. And, you know, and that's it. You know, and then that's it. But other people, they have one piece of yeah. cookie. And or then one they piece have of fudge, the whole and they, All of it, right? <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> many more. people feel out of control, especially around the holidays. So it's a great topic. It is. It is. It'll be, it'll be a good one. So also joining us today is Joanne Rideout, who is also a licensed and registered dietitian. And she sees clients in our YZ office. We all see clients in our YZ office. (laughs) That is a busy office. It is. (laughs) And also at our Maple Grove location. And Joanne, you have an interesting fact to share today. Yes, I do. I was shocked that cancer agents, which means the drugs used for cancer treatment, are the number one prescription drug drug money makers worldwide? That's Isn't that amazing. amazing? Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's interesting. You know, and here's a really another interesting fact from the American Cancer Society. Um, it was saying that lung cancer is the leading cancer killer, and the second leading cause of death from cancer is breast cancer, which is which is what we want to talk about today. Right. So here's another interesting fact. According to the New England Journal of Medicine, July two thousand. Genetic factors are a minor cause of cancer. Okay. So wow. it is on our genes. Mm-hmm. Right. Genetic factors are a minor cause of cancer. You know, I think in Dr. Bland's book, uh, The Disease Delusion, you know, he pointed out that the incidence of breast cancer in women carrying the BRCA gene mutation before 1940 was 24%. But in 2013, the incidence was 85%. So remember, this is the breast and uterine cancer gene mutation that Angelina Jolie carries. You know, so we we heard that in the news. She actually had a double mastectomy to reduce her risk. Wow. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So the the rate really changed, didn't it? 
Yes, it absolutely did. That's a huge did. increase. So we have to ask, why has the incidence of genetic breast cancer increased from 24% to 85%, mm-hmm. a 60% higher incidence in about 60 years? I mean, that's really scary. It is. That's something we really want to start to think, like, why is this happening? What can I do? Exactly. And how could a clear genetic problem increase by 60% when we know that genes can't and don't change? That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Genes it is. can't and don't change. So something on the outside is influencing our Absolutely. genes to start to mutate. So, you know, my answer is that we have to look at what we're exposing our bodies to. Mm-hmm. We know that our environment plays a large role in creating the mutations and the cancer in our genes. So what we're exposing ourselves to is a big factor. So, you know, here's one thing. We know that tobacco use, people that smoke, mm-hmm. that kills one out of every two smokers. Gosh, yes. that's amazing. Wow. But, you know, if you look back and you look at old mm-hmm. movies... Yes. We had a lot of women smoking Mm -hmm. back in the 1940s, Mm -hmm. but the risk factors have gone, what, from 24% up to 85%. Yeah, I mean, it's really amazing. That's true. It was kind of the cool thing to do back then. Everyone And 50s and 60s. Yes. (laughs) Right. And 70s. Okay. (laughs) You know, that's, that's what we're saying is the environment can play a huge role in our cancer risk. And actually... Uh, me and Cara did a, uh, a fun show back in May twenty five or May twenty fifth, two thousand thirteen. If you want to look it up on our past podcast, and it was actually talking about the cancer risk of excess estrogen, and we were talking about how excess estrogens from our fo- the foods we eat, the chemicals in our environment, and common prescriptions can affect cancer rate too. So you know we know that we have to take a look deeper and wider. And as nutritionists, we are always looking at what people are eating because that's always that's something we can control. Right. So today we're going to be quoting a lot of research uh, because people feel so vulnerable and they have a hard time believing, you know, that their diet can make that big of a difference in the world of cancer prevention. I think that's a very good point, Katie. Mm -hmm. That is. But we, you know, we know it and we see it all the time. I mean, I've, I've had a client that I was working with with breast cancer and it had come back, and before she came to see me, you know, lots of diet sodas, lots of processed foods, right. mm-hmm. um, lots of, you know, conventional foods, and she made the switch, and she's, breast cancer's gone. She doesn't, she doesn't see it, so our food makes a big difference. So I know people feel hopeless and fearful about cancer. They do. Yeah. I mean, really and do. rightfully so. Yeah. And that's understandable. Um, yep. The Journal of American Medical Association in 2006 reported that 30% of cancers in the Western world are diet-related. So food has a big mm-hmm. difference. Mm-hmm. And probably even higher than that. Probably higher. just their research. Exactly. So I thought I found something that was really interesting. Researchers estimate that about 80% of cancer patients are malnourished. Mm-hmm. That's even before chemo. Yes. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Malnourished. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's going to be a huge... Um, important factor to have enough nutrients in them to help them get through the cancer. You know, two-thirds of Americans are overweight or obese, but they are also malnourished, you know, essentially because they're eating a lot of nutrient-depleted processed foods that aren't filling their body with the essential nutrients they need to prevent cancer. You know, being uh, obese or overweight increases your cancer risk. Yeah, it increases a lot. Mm -hmm. And when you think of ob- obesity and malnourishment, a lot of times people don't think they go together. Mm-hmm. But you also have to think there's a lack of vegetables and fruits, so a lack of good nutrients. 
That's exactly what researchers have found. So 25% of the population who consumes the fewest vegetables and fruits have double the incident rate for most cancers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so for some people, you know, maybe they're not eating their mm-hmm. veggies. So if they're not eating their veggies, maybe you're eating french fries, which right. don't count as vegetables. No, they right? don't. <laughs> I know nope. sometimes people will try and play that. Well, it's a, you know, yeah. it's a potato, so that counts. And I put some ketchup on it, yeah. which is a tomato. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, no. You know, in our weight and wellness series. Even we, the FDA said that. You I know. know. Yes, right. that's the sad part. Um, in our weight and wellness series, we share a research study by one of our favorite researchers, and this is Dr. Walter Willett. And he's from the Harvard School of Medicine. And, you know, Dr. Willett and his team of researchers looked at uh, the diet of preschoolers um, and the adult risk of breast cancer. And here are the facts that they found. Uh, They found a 27% increased risk in breast cancer for each weekly serving of French fries little girls had during the preschool ages. I mean, one serving of French fries increased the risk. By 27%. Of a woman getting... Breast cancer. When they were adults. Yes. Right. Isn't, I mean... That's amazing. How many kids are eating French fries? Lots. More than once a week. Lots of Little kids. girls nowadays. But mm-hmm. if they French fries twice a week as mm-hmm. a little girl, their risk factors for getting breast cancer as an adult woman went up to 54%. Wow. Right. Who would have known that? Mm-hmm. You know, parents think French fries are a treat and they stop on the fast food lane mm-hmm. on their way to, you know, piano lessons or swimming lessons. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really quick going through that line, mm-hmm. but it's also a dangerous treat. I think that's a really powerful statement. I don't know if people really ever recognize that some of the food chases they're making can actually be dangerous. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so, right. I mean, that's really the the reality. It's more than just it being convenient, it can be really dangerous. Well, and people think about weight, but they don't think about cancer, cancer risk. They don't think about the cancer. Right. Yeah, they think about exactly. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a great point. Well, you know, we do have to take a break here, um, and then we will keep this conversation going. But you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition for cancer prevention. We know eating a variety of vegetables is a must. You know, we almost say eat the rainbow mm-hmm. as far yeah. as the vegetables are vegetables and fruits are concerned. Um, also, eating quality meat is important to support a healthy immune function. You know, when we come back from break, John Peterson from the Ferndale Market will share how they raise free-range turkeys and give us a great way to roast a free-range turkey for your Thanksgiving dinner. I know I have mine in the freezer already, kind of ready to go for Thanksgiving. So stay tuned for some turkey talk. We'll be right back. A lot of times when you bump into someone who's lost weight, you say, hey, how'd you do that? I'm here with Leo. I bet you hear that a lot. You've lost almost 50 pounds. How'd you do that? I went to Nutritional Weight and Wellness and took their Nutrition for Weight Loss program. And what's that about? That's an eating plan that allows you to eat real food and you lose weight. Are you hungry? No, not at all. I eat six times a day, and one of their mottos is stay ahead of hunger, and that's exactly what I do. Now, Leo's a dad of teens, a husband, a full-time worker, busy young man in his 40s, and you say you don't really exercise. No, uh, much to the dismay of my nutritionist, I haven't been able to exercise. 
but you've still been able to lose weight. Yeah, absolutely. Leo says it's changed his life. Maybe it can do the same for you. It's the Nutrition for Weight Loss program at Nutritional Weight and Wellness. If you want to find out what Nutrition for Weight Loss can do for you, go to weightandwellness.com or place a call, 651-699-3438. You know, it's really a great pleasure today to welcome John Peterson from the Farmdale Market and Farm today to talk turkey. You know, John, my go-to meat for the past several years has been your ground turkey that I buy at my local co-op. You know, I love it. My dog loves it. (laughs) It really has a great, clean flavor, and there's no chemicals. So, John, I've got a big question for you today. So yeah. why does your Ferndale ground turkey taste so good? Well, that that is a great question. <laughs> I, I think that um, we're doing a lot of things differently on the farm. Uh, we're growing our turkeys free range the same way we have for 75 years since my grandfather got us started. Uh, we're not using any antibiotics on the farm, so our birds are growing at nature's pace. But when it comes to products like our ground turkey, I think you t- you hit the nail on the head. It's just ground turkey. There's nothing added. Um, so you're tasting real turkey, uh, which shouldn't shouldn't be a novel concept when you're going to the mm-hmm. poultry aisle, but oftentimes today it is. You know, John, before yeah. I started eating your ground turkey, I didn't even like ground yeah, turkey. Yeah, right. <laughs> and now I'm, you know, at least a couple of times a week we're using it. So I, Wonderful. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. We appreciate thank, that. Thank you for it's, having the product, actually. So. Yeah, I've actually been to the farm, and it's actually a real treat to go down there in Cannon Falls, and we went during one of your fall events and um, stocked up on some good turkey products and saw the turkeys, and it was it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, that's it's a real treat in the summertime when folks come and we have the birds right out in front of the store. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. Our rotational grazing system keeps them moving throughout various parts of the farm, but it's a real treat when they're right out in front when folks come by. That's so great. You know, John, your family, you guys have been raising turkeys for quite a long time. Um, why don't you tell us when it got started and who really started the farm? Yeah, that's that's a great story. Probably the key story to who we are today. My grandfather got us started in 1939, so actually 75 wow. years ago this year, uh, he got us started on our farm here in Cannon Falls. Wow. And uh, my grandmother's name was Fern, and my grandfather's name was Dale. So that's oh. where our name Fern oh, wow. Dale comes from. Cute. Um, and I always share that there's a lot of pride for our family in having their name on every package because mm-hmm. we're still doing things much like they did 75 years ago. That's so That's great. great. That's great. So for listeners who did not grow up on a farm, how are your turkeys raised? Yeah, I, I touched briefly on the free-range piece, but that's, mm-hmm. that's a real point of difference for us. Um, that During the summer months, I think ours is sort of the real deal free-range where our birds are out on uh, out on grass, we call it range, um, and we're moving them onto fresh pasture each and every week. So they're always on good dry ground uh, with access to fresh grass. We're not overusing any one part of our farm, which is certainly better for the soil, better for the earth. Um, I also mentioned that we don't use any growth promotants of any kind, uh, no antibiotics. So I think that in addition to being good for the birds is a, hopefully a testament to good husbandry on our part. And then uh, we don't add anything to any of our finished products. So uh, everything is naturally processed, like we mentioned with the ground turkey. 
the same is true with our whole turkeys, our turkey breasts, all of those, all of those products. You're not buying added water, added sodium, um, just good tasting turkey. Yeah, it really is. It's it's quite delicious. It is um, good. Me and my husband are pretty excited. I was telling Dar and Joanne we have a a turkey, a Ferndale turkey in our freezer right now, ready to go, ready to get <laughs> thawed out. So we're looking good, forward good. to it. And it's really great that you guys aren't using any antibiotics or growth promoting drugs. I mean, that's great that the turkey is just turkey meat and it's very clean. So, John, I have a quick question. You know, you actually take your whole flock then and move it to another area in the pasture so that every week they're on new grass. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. That's kind of interesting. What do you do? Lasso them and take them along? Yeah. I I really need to uh, make a video of this one day because that's probably (laughs) one of our most commonly asked questions. But Turkeys are very curious creatures. I think their curiosity is really their defining personality trait. So when we come through and start moving their shelters and feeders and waters, they just follow right along. No um, kidding. And by the time we've got the last piece of equipment moved onto the new patch of ground, they're, they're already settled into the new home. Wow, that's neat. Well, that's that's great. great. That is neat. That's great. Very cool. So are you ready for this next question? How do you I cook? I hope so, yeah. How, how do you cook? a free-range turkey, so it comes out perfect on that Thanksgiving morning? Yeah, that's a great question, and and you're going (laughs) to think I'm giving you a cop-out here, but I'll I'll give you some specifics. Okay. One of the things we've always tried to avoid is giving a lot of real specific tips because we know that there are so many great traditions. I mean, we've heard over the years what feel like hundreds of different ways that families have prepared Thanksgiving turkeys, and so we don't want to say that any of those are right or wrong, but there are some real basic things that everybody should do to ensure a, a good-tasting turkey. Um, and the first uh, is that if you purchased a frozen turkey, make sure that bird is fully thawed. I think most people underestimate how long it takes to thaw a frozen turkey. Uh, we usually recommend about, or it'll thaw at about four pounds every 24 hours. So, you know, you think about having a 20-pound turkey, that's going to take the better part of a week to Mm -hmm. thaw that bird. So make sure your bird is ready to cook. Um, Have a good meat thermometer when you put that bird in the oven. Mm -hmm. Uh, The magic number is 165 degrees. Get that turkey to 165 degrees and then pull it out, let it rest, let those good natural juices reabsorb. Uh, I always say to let it rest on the counter for at least 20 minutes um, and let let those juices come back into the meat. And really those are good basic tips, whether you're doing it in a roasting pan, in a bag, whether you're brining, whether you're doing it on a grill, those sort of basic things uh, will ensure you a a good tasting turkey. That's great. That sounds good. So we have an 11 and a half pound turkey, so we should probably take it out about three days before. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I think three days would be safe. Now, do you thaw the turkey on the counter or do you thaw the turkey in the refrigerator? You definitely want to thaw it in the refrigerator, okay. yeah, for sure, in yeah. the refrigerator. And that's what that four pounds per day is based upon, sure. thawing in the refrigerator. And I know, especially at the Thanksgiving season, refrigerator space is in short yes. supply. Um, okay. But if you can find a, a spot in the back of the refrigerator to thaw it, you'll, you'll get a good, uh, consistent thaw all the way through. The yeah. one other piece I should mention in the roasting, uh, roasting tips is that we do offer both fresh and frozen turkeys. And the fresh turkey, as it's important to note, will cook slightly faster than a frozen turkey just because they've never been frozen. And so that core has never been as cold. 
Okay. So for folks that are picking up a fresh turkey, the, the time it takes to get to that 165 will be slightly shorter than those who thawed a frozen turkey. Good to know. Very interesting. So, to, to John, just a quick, another quick question. Um, so for a 20-pound turkey, it's going yeah. to take about how long to to cook that? Just a general ballpark figure if you're just putting in a roasting pan. Yeah, absolutely. We always say uh, to figure on somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes per pound. Okay. And that's a that's certainly a ballpark. It'll vary a little bit by by oven, by bird, the temperature of the bird going into the mm-hmm. oven. But you know, if you're thinking of how far you need to back up from the time you want that turkey on the center of the table, uh, think about about 15 to 20 minutes a pound in the oven, and that should get you really close. Okay, great. So, do you still have some turkeys available for Thanksgiving? And how do people find you? We do indeed have some. Um, one of the interesting things in growing turkeys is that every year it seems to be a slightly different size that folks are looking for. Uh, we offer anywhere from 10 up to about 24-pound turkeys. And uh, I can say that in our own on-farm store here in Cannon Falls, we have uh, still very good availability, although a couple of sizes are already already spoken for. And then we also work with all of the Twin Cities food co-ops. We have a locator on our website um, that shows the other stores, primarily natural food grocers, that carry our turkey. And uh, you could contact those folks as well if you're interested in purchasing directly from them. So we actually have a caller here um, that was asking where where we they can get the turkeys. So if they go to your website, ferndalemarketonline.com, you have a turkey finder on there that will yep. prompt them. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Right on the homepage, okay. there's a locator, okay. That's good. and uh, you can type in your zip code, and it will show you the the store closest to you that that carries our turkey. Okay, that's great. I know I've good. I've seen them in the co-ops. We got ours at the Linden Hills Co-op, so um, they're in a lot of the co-ops around the Twin Cities. Yeah, the co-ops right. are are great. They're great supporters of ours. So, John, what's your phone number? And again, give out your website so that you know people can contact you. Yeah, our web address is. FerndaleMarketOnline.com, FerndaleMarketOnline.com. And our phone number right here on the farm in the market is 507-263-4556. And believe me when I say that this time of year we get all kinds of mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we become sort of our own little turkey hotline. So sure, folks sure. Have <laughs> in general about roasting a turkey, we're more than happy to help. Oh, that's, that's so great. great. So, John, thank you so much for being on. It was fun talking to you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, and happy Thanksgiving. You yes, too. Thank, thank you. you, too. Take care. Yep. All right. Well, it's time for our next break. That was great. That was such a good conversation. I love it. Was. Oh, I love Ferndale Market Turkey. So, you know, you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Another really interesting fact, the high, highest risk factor for cancer is smoking. The next highest risk factor for cancer is obesity. There's a surprising link between fat cells and inflammation and also an amazing link between inflammation and cancer. So how do you make better food choices during this holiday season to prevent cancer? A simple answer is to sign up for the Nutrition for Weight Loss program starting next week. So if you have questions, give us a call 651-641-1071 and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. Sometimes it is difficult to stay with healthy eating throughout the holiday season. There are so many temptations out there. So I encourage you to spend one hour a week with like-minded and goal-oriented people. 
You can take the Nutrition for Weight Loss program starting next week. We have daytime and evening classes. You know, yeah, it's especially going throughout the holidays, people um, want to have kind of a prevention plan anyhow because they do. once you right. start to get, you know, people, once they start to get into those treats and goodies and they're coming in every day because they're having bake mm-hmm. sales and whatever, start, people start to just feel really not so good during yep. that time when they're, they need a lot of energy to get stuff done. So. And those sugar cravings kick in mm-hmm. high. Mm-hmm. You know, here are some comments from a class member that attended our last session. Uh, she said, I came to class to lose weight. And I finished with a whole lot more. I did lose weight, about 13 pounds. I also lost inches. She said, I feel so much better. I have more energy. I'm happier. I'm sleeping better. And I can focus again. So she came just for weight loss. Mm-hmm. But really, I mean, she she's feeling so much better. She this is so, how we rope people great. into healthy eating. Yeah, yes. right. <laughs> for the weight loss piece. But then all of a sudden it's like, wait, this, you know, feeling better, having more energy, that's... Uh, that's even more motivating. Not having migraines, Not, all those right. things. Yep. And lo- we hear that a lot. <laughs> so if you're interested in that Nutrition for Weight Loss program, if you're someone who's always been kind of sitting back and thinking to yourself, oh, I really should take that class. Maybe now is the time. Um, why don't you call 651-699-3438 or go online to sign up at our website, weightandwellness.com. You will not regret it. So, you know, before we talked to John, we were talking about healthy eating, and we were talking about French fries as Mm -hmm. being not so healthy. Right. And so we were talking more about how to get more vegetables. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start talking about how to get more vegetables into your diet. And we, you know, we've been having or having this conversation for quite a long time. um, And we know people are starting to get wiser about their food choices. Sales at McDonald's are down by 14%. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That is. Um, and even cereal sales are down. By so, 14%. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, I mean, we're really hoping that that extra money that isn't being spent on McDonald's, fast food, processed foods is being spent on fruits and vegetables. That yes. is our hope. It is. And many of my younger clients who never ate vegetables at a, as a child right. or young adult, no. it's amazing it, to me when I hear people say that. But yeah. There's it's a true. lot of people like that out there. I was telling um, these guys before we started the show, <laughs> I was that child. I hated vegetables when I was a kid. Um, when you got to tell your pea story. I do have to. Okay, so my pea story when I was a kid, my mom <laughs> would always serve peas on the side of whatever we were eating. And I hated peas. They were the worst vegetable to me. I completely despised them. And it came one one day... I figured out, well, I'm going to have to tell my mom why I can't eat the peas. Um, And I came up with the excuse that, well, mom, I can't eat these peas because they make my eyes blink. And I started (laughs) to blink and bat my eyes at her to show that I was having some, you know, adverse reaction to the peas. And she looked at me and kind of shook her head like, no, that's not going to cut it. So (laughs) I think I still had to eat my peas. Not going to work. So you might be wondering, how do you develop a taste for vegetables Mm -hmm. if you're not a vegetable lover? We know research shows that at every step along the road to developing a malignancy, nutrients in vegetables reduce the likelihood that that malignancy will get worse and progress to the next stage. So those vegetable nutrients are Mm -hmm. very powerful. That is kind of amazing, just that. It is. That it reduces the likelihood that it's going to get worse. Right. Wow. Right. So a lot of cancer experts say to eat a plant-based diet. 
You know, that doesn't mean mm-hmm. eat a sugar-based diet. Right. But very few experts really tell you what that means and how to do it. So we want to share some of our tips on how mm-hmm. to do it. How to get those vegetable in, vegetables in. You know, the first step is really kind of to take control of your kitchen. So rather than saying things like, oh, I hate vegetables, or I like vegetables, but I don't like to cook. Oh, we hear that one all the all time. All the time. You know, we you do. have to kind of change that around. You have to kind of honestly change your thoughts. Your thoughts can be pretty powerful. And if you keep telling yourself that you hate vegetables or you hate to cook or anything like that, you're probably not going to start cooking and eating vegetables. Right. You That's know? right. So when you start to say, okay, I'm going to try this, I'm going to start eating vegetables, you might start to pick up that broccoli and start to pick up those pepper strips, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I really love chopping vegetables mm-hmm. because it's relaxing. Sure. Yeah. And before my grandchildren moved to Alaska, I would love to shop with chop vegetables. Mm-hmm. It was a bonding time with them. And little Cedar would say, Grandma lets me use a sharp knife. Oh, I <laughs> So, and I, what I also found was once the kids made the vegetables, mm-hmm. they were so proud to eat them. They're probably that much more curious about it. Yes. Yeah. And thought like, hey, I helped with this you know, vegetable dish, I should probably try it. Yeah, right. they're proud of their, they're proud of themselves. They are. That's a great way to get them to eat mm-hmm. <laughs> or try something new. So now that you have the vegetables chopped, how do you make them taste good? Yes. So I always cook them in butter or coconut oil. So that's a big part right there. That is good. Get the healthy fat in there. Yes. My favorite is to roast vegetables. Mm-hmm. So all you do is cut them in chunks, toss them in either coconut oil or olive oil, Put them on a sheet pan, and you can bake them for 300 to 325 degrees Mm -hmm. for about 20 to 30 minutes. Depends on the vegetable. And they're done. They're so easy. I always make a lot extra. Mm -hmm. I make a really big batch so that I can have them for the week. Yeah, that's great. Sometimes I'll get the uh, question with clients like, okay, well, what what do you roast? What vegetables do you roast? And just last week I I had a huge batch, and I put zucchini, red peppers, tomatoes, mushrooms, and onions. And it was, they all That's roasted a great so nice. And actually, Brenna um, had given me some lard from their pig. Oh. So I put some beautiful lard on top and wow. roasted them, and it was it was great. I mean, real lard, real vegetables. Really good taste. Yes, nice. a very nice taste. So that's those are some veggies. Those are kind of actually my favorites mm-hmm. to roast. Um, here's another tip that I'll do to get more vegetables in. You know, when I make chili, I'll chop and add extra veggies Maybe an extra couple cups of celery, maybe an extra cup of bell peppers, maybe an extra cup of broccoli, uh, very finely chopped. You know, this is a great way um, to get about an extra cup of vegetables in every serving of the chili and really more plant-based nutrients for cancer prevention. Another thing that I will do is I'll get, um, if you've ever seen the broccoli slaw, you can find that at Mm -hmm, most grocery stores. And if I just make regular chili, I'll put a big pile of broccoli slaw on top of my chili and we know that some of those cruciferous veggies cabbages broccoli um they have very healing components in them for especially like breast cancer and ovarian cancer protection so that's a great that's another great way to do it that's a great tip well you can always also roast a lot of those cruciferous vegetables oh yes cauliflower brussels mm -hmm. sprouts broccoli those are great those turn out great so i always teach my clients to have different colors of vegetables and fruits And then you're getting a lot more different phytonutrients Mm -hmm. because of the different colors. So a lot more cancer prevention. So we'll say taste the rainbow, right? Exactly. (laughs) But not like 
Skittles or Fruit Loops, right? <laughs> like the vegetables and the not fruits, right? Those colors, not those kind. <laughs> so here's my trick: I put a variety of vegetables in the deep dish pizza recipe that we have in our Weight and Wellness Cookbook and Nutrition Guide. It's a great recipe, you mm-hmm. guys. It is. You know, it I is. take and I slice a whole head of cauliflower, and I slice it about a fourth of an inch thick, and then I kind of saute that a little bit on both sides, either in usually in coconut oil. And then I just gently lay it down on on one of the layers, mm-hmm. and you've got all this cauliflower, and you've got the great pizza taste. It's yeah. really delicious. You know, it especially sometimes people will say, "Oh, what if I want to, you know, like pizza? That's a great recipe." And still, you know, it's meats and vegetables, um, and it's really a delicious recipe and a great way to get more vegetables into your diet. Um, it is that time. It's time for our yes. last break. Um, we will keep this conversation going after the break, but you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. My name is Katie Vigasa. I'm a licensed dietitian, and I'm here with Joanne Rideout, also a licensed dietitian, and Darlene Cavist, uh, a licensed nutritionist. We are discussing how to make better food choices to prevent breast cancer. So nutrition, it's really a very complex topic, and we understand that, honestly, not one diet fits all people for cancer prevention. But what we do know is that a variety of vegetables each day is great to help us with cancer prevention. We need good fats. We need good oils, natural fats, not refined oils. Things like olive oil, avocados, uh, you know, seeds, different nuts. Coconut oil is great. Real butter. You know, and of course we need to uh, eat some protein to support our immune system. Kind of like what we were talking about, the Ferndale Market, for instance. Mm-hmm. It's chemical-free, mm-hmm. hormone-free and free range when possible. So cancer prevention really starts with real food. So stay tuned and we will be right back. A wise doctor once said, today you are you. That's truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. The doctor in question was Dr. Seuss, and I bet he would like the attitude and approach they use at Nutritional Weight and Wellness. For more than 25 years, the licensed nutritionists, registered dietitians, and nutrition educators have worked one-on-one with clients. Because they know no one is youer than you, they will come up with an individualized eating plan that addresses your needs, your body, your health concerns. Because they use research-based knowledge, and because they care, they can guide you to be the best, healthiest, most energetic you you can be. Come into one of their Twin Cities-based office locations for a consultation or schedule a counseling session over the phone. Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Call them at 651-699-3438. That's 651-699-3438. Or go to weightandwellness.com. They will get results for you. It's true. Nutritional Weight and Wellness has offices in St. Paul, Wyzetta, Lakeville, North Oaks, Maple Grove, and Mendota Heights. Call them today at 651-699-3438. Or go to weightandwellness.com. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. We would like to thank John Peterson from Ferndale Market for helping us understand how to cook a free-range turkey. You can find Ferndale Market online at ferndalemarketonline.com. So if you're struggling with understanding all the gluten-free talk these days and all the gluten-free mm-hmm. products that you see when you walk it's into your grocery, grocery store, really it's confusing. amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're offering Going Gluten-Free the Healthy Way in Wayzata, November 20th, in a classroom, or you can take the class online. So just go to our website, weightandwellness.com, and click on online classes. And if you need more information, just give our office a call at 
888-344-3438, and we'll be happy to answer any questions. That's great that we offer those um, a few of those online classes for people who aren't necessarily in the area, so mm-hmm. that's a great one. Before we get back to talking about vegetables and breast cancer prevention, we do have a caller. So, John, thank you for calling Dishing Up Nutrition. It sounds like you have a question for us. Well, I have a question regarding uh, fruits and vegetables. Uh, I, I do eat them on a regular basis, but I was also at times uh, thinking about supplementing with a uh, fruit and vegetable powder that you can buy at nutritional stores. What do you think about that? Yeah, definitely the the real fruit and vegetable is the best. Um, but, you know, we even af- um, at our offices offer a kind of a fruit and vegetable powder, and it's called Dynamic Greens. One of the things that I always recommend to clients is to do an organic one if you're going mm-hmm. to do a concentrated powdered form of vegetables and fruits mm-hmm. and because otherwise you're going to get a concentrated amount of pesticides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so on that, right. those products, I really do believe they should be organic. Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, all right, I'll, that's what I'll look for. And you have them at your stores? Yes, we do. Yep, it's, we do. They're What's called, it called? Dynamic Greens. And we okay. have different flavors. We have some that are gluten-free and others that are not. So, you know, we have a variety of them. Okay. And it has fruits and vegetables in it? Yes. Lots of okay. them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, thanks so much. <laughs> yeah, thank, yeah you. thank you. Bye. So, yeah, we actually, you know, I mean, we'll recommend people have like six to nine cups of mm-hmm. vegetables a day. And if they want to supplement with some powders, you know, like especially the organic dynamic greens, that would be a great addition. But it's an addition. Yeah. So so before we went to break, we were talking about how to get more vegetables in because we know that vegetables have really important compounds that are very protective against, mm-hmm. against cancers. Um, but, you know, did we mention that vegetables that grandma raises or organic vegetables actually taste better and are free of cancer-causing vegetables? Well, we're assuming grandma doesn't use a lot of pesticides. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, my husband's true. grandma has a farm and yeah, they're it's very clean. So um and actually the vegetables taste better, don't they? They do. They do. They do taste better. You know, I still remember I had a um for instance, I had a strawberry that I picked up or a carton of strawberries and they were organic strawberries in peak season and it was the most delicious piece of fruit mm-hmm. that I've ever had. And mm-hmm. I was thinking to myself, why would anybody ever want candy? Because this is just so good. Yeah. <laughs> so that's great. That's great. So let's zero in again on breast cancer. Less than 10% of breast cancers are due to heredity, hereditary mutations, according to the New England Journal of Medicine that was published in 2008. That's an interesting mm-hmm. point. It is. Less than 10%, right, Joanne? Yes. Are linked to your genetics. Yes. Isn't that amazing? And that was in the New England Journal of Medicine. So this mm-hmm. is research. Yes. I mean, so yep. what we're saying is that the environment can play a huge role. Right. So what is causing all this breast cancer? You know, it's like one in eight women will sometime in their life have breast cancer. You know, in the 1940s, a woman's lifetime risk factor of developing ca- breast cancer was one in 22. Oh, so now is... it's one in, you know, mm-hmm. one in eight. A lot um, more. It's, it's on the rise. I mean, and it's it's really alarming. Yeah. Um, I would have to point my finger at sugar. Well, we do that yes, a lot. We do that a we lot, do right? that a lot. Um, in fact, the average American consumes 156 pounds of sugar each year. If you were to stack up five-pound bags of sugar, you would stack up 
31 five-pound bags. So you might ask, what's wrong with that excess sugar? You know, a lot of people might argue that and say, I don't eat that much sugar. Mm -hmm. But they're not thinking about the processed food. So the average person eats almost one half a pound of sugar per day. Oh, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot. Just I almost have people like visually think about that circulating throughout your blood in your blood, the damage (laughs) that's doing to your entire system. Exactly. So that's really excessive. Five to six teaspoons a day might be more reasonable. Probably still too much. Still too much. More what people would do, but but more reasonable. Yeah. You know, honestly, simply put, cancer cells love. Sugar. Sugar is like fertilizer for cancer cells. I mean, when they do MRIs on people with cancer, they will give them glucose or sugar. And just so they can actually see the cancer cells, it lights the cancer cells up. They just, uh, cancer cells are very, they're kind of greedy. They Mm -hmm. really absorb and love to eat that sugar up. So if we're feeding them lots of sugar, um, there's going to be fuel. Yeah. So again, you know, all the experts tell us, I mean, we read the research all the time, don't Mm -hmm. we? Sugar Mm -hmm. is bad, and we're seeing it on the Internet. We're seeing it on TV shows, and it can cause diabetes. Mm -hmm. It creates inflammation. It increases aches and pains. It drives weight gain. It breaks down joints. This is, and it helps cancer cells grow. Mm Right. But some, those same experts, they seldom tell us how to stop eating sugar. Right. How do you stop eating sugar or at least cut down? You know, for some people, it is a battle. And Mm -hmm. for some, it's simply making that decision. Hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. they learn how bad sugar is and they say, okay, well, I'm not going to eat it anymore. You know, we know after working with so many people that different people have different brain chemistries. One person has that brain chemistry where they say, you know what, gosh, I shouldn't be eating that. I'm not going to eat sugar anymore. The other person says, I know I shouldn't be eating sugar but I'm addicted to sugar and I can't get off of sugar. You know, really sugar addiction is, it's a serious problem. Just as any other addiction is a serious problem. We actually have individualized programs to help people get off sugar and stay off sugar. You know, as with any other substance addiction, uh, most people really can't do it alone. Most people cannot do it alone. Um, You know, it's kind of a conversation they need to keep having Every Mm -hmm. week, every two weeks. How am I going to do this? It's really an ongoing lifestyle plan and habit. Uh, You know, if you need to kick your sugar addiction, give us a call and we will work with you until you put your sugar addiction into remission. So, I mean, that's what what we're saying is people really do need, once we put the plan in place, sometimes they need to keep talking about it. It's not like the sugar addiction goes away and they can start eating sugar again. Right. Because all of a sudden their brain's going to crave it again. Yeah. So it does keep coming back. So, just one more serious warning. Many studies have also linked the consumption of alcohol with an increased risk of breast cancer. And we know that one for sure. Mm -hmm. We do know that one. You know, the nurse's health study, it actually found the risk of breast cancer in women who had one or more drinks per day was 60% higher than the risk for women who did not drink. I know, you know, a lot of our clients will say, well, I thought that wine was good for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but really what we're saying is after this study, it's it can be devastating for breast cancer risk. You know, I think one of the things, and we see clients all the time, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, the kids are out of the house. Right. And suddenly they think, okay, I'm not going to have to be getting up in the middle of the night with my kids. I can relax a little. I can have a glass of wine. Yep. 
I don't have to worry about it. Right. And they suddenly start drinking many glasses of wine many nights a week. Mm -hmm. So maybe they should switch that habit and just relax with a cup of nice green tea. Yes. Right? Yes. Switch the habit. Or herbal tea, as Joanne would say. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, everyone. And thanks. Great show. Everyone have a great Saturday. And as we say, change your food, change your life. Life, I love you. All is groovy. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.